Welcome, welcome to this first bonus episode of Pet Resource Radio. I'm Dave Shapiro. If you know anything about us, and we've done 70 episodes, so I hope you do, then you know that we're about positive outcomes for pets and pet owners. Providing resources and new avenues to better care for pets is something that we're passionate about. And so in between episodes, we'll be bringing you the occasional interview with folks in our community and beyond who are inspiring us and bringing good things to pet owners. Today, we're talking with Brian Cordes, the National Programs Director at Neighborhood Cats, an organization dedicated to improving the lives of feral and community cats, as well as providing support to the people who care for them. He literally wrote the book on trap, neuter, return. Brian Cordes, welcome to Pet Resource Radio. Thanks, Dave. Glad to be here. So we've talked about TNR before on the podcast, but for those who are just joining the fun, what exactly is it and how does it work? Well, TNR involves, it stands for Trap, Neuter, Return. And we're talking about uh, community cats, which can be feral cats or stray cats, but basically free-roaming cats who are living outside a traditional home. So they tend to group together uh, in what we call colonies. And what TNR does is uh, basically sterilize all the cats or as close to all of the cats as we can in in a given given group so that we um, stop reproduction and nuisance behavior and manage the situation. How did you get into TNR? I was living on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, and I was walking by an empty lot uh, near where I live, and I saw a bunch of kittens playing in the lot. And at first I thought, well, this is a good rescue situation for my animal welfare friends. But when I looked into it further, there were about 30 feral cats, meaning you know unsocialized cats living in the inner courtyards of that block, and there were no services available for them at that time. Hmm. And um, you know, I quickly learned uh, what the word feral means after you know one cat ruined somebody's couch and another one started climbing the bathroom walls. And right, right. I, you know, I realized these are not adoptable animals. And the you know the only alternative that I was presented with at that time was to get them spayed and neutered and care for them where they lived. So myself and a couple of neighbors tried that and it was very successful and, uh, we reduced the number of cats pretty quickly through adopting kittens uh, the nuisance behavior went away and then at that time in new york city that situation was repeated on block after block after block mm-hmm. so the neighbors heard about what we did so we worked the tnr for the neighbors and it just kept spreading throughout new york city and then we started to kind of package what we had learned and started working on a more national level. That's kind of amazing. So with Neighborhood Cats, uh, to my understanding, uh, operates in New York and in Maui. Um, those are two – would you say that those are two very similar situations as far as how how colonies live and thrive, or are they very different yeah, that's a great question. We we also have a program in uh, Jersey City. That's the other and, one. I knew I was forgetting one. You know, hands-on uh, programs, but the the obviously the environments are very different. Mm-hmm. But the basic dynamics of doing TNR are exactly the same. Um, you know, you're working in a, maybe a sugarcane field instead of a park, a city park, but the the methodology is very similar how we approach uh, a TNR project. You know, we get the cats on a feeding pattern. We, we get to know the, the feeder and the caretaker and the neighborhood. We know how many cats there are. We keep going until we get as close to hundred percent as we can. 
spay neuter is the same, recovery is the same. So the process is very similar. It's just more the the setting that's different. Okay, cool. So as the co-founder of Neighborhood Cats, you've been involved in quite a bit of pioneering work in the field of TNR. Can can you tell us about some of that? So one of the first things that we innovated was the idea of mass trapping. And that's when you TNR an entire colony at one time. And it's it's a much more efficient process. It gets you the elimination of most nuisance behavior overnight. But when we first started, we used to trap cats and then transfer them into cages, mm. which created a lot of opportunities for escape or injury. So what we learned to do was to use traps that were large enough, at least 30 inches in length, to double as cages. And then we started, uh, we kind of discovered how to use trap dividers to take care of the cats while they were in the trap. And what we learned with feral cats was they actually preferred the traps because when you put them in a large cage, they would spend all their time in the carrier. Mm. And in a larger, in a larger trap, they actually had a little bit more room um, and they relaxed more. But doing that meant, um, you, you know, you could line up six traps on a table you didn't need a, a large space to do 20 or 30 cats. Uh, and it just made the process of doing TNR much more efficient. So, you know, not all communities at all times have the resources to do mass trapping. Right. But we do we do encourage people to do it whenever they can. So, yeah, we, we do quarterly TNR clinics here because it really um, – and those days are huge because, you know, we – try to get in as many cats as we can um, at one time when we're dealing with, you know, different rescues and, and uh, organizations and trappers and things like that. And there's a lot of coordination that goes on. Um, but it's a much different thing from return to field, which I, I was reading about on the um, neighborhood cats website. Can you, can you tell us about wh- what that looks like? So re- return to field is kind of a form of TNR because the cats are being trapped, they're being neutered, they're being returned. But the difference is who's doing the trapping and what their intent is and who makes the decisions about the cats. Hmm. So in a traditional TNR project, you've got the caretaker, the feeder, a nonprofit. And from the beginning, their intent is to bring the cats back uh, and improve their improve their lives. With return to field, the people doing the trapping are might be uh, ordinary citizens and their intent is to remove the cat from the environment and not have the cat come back, usually. And then it's the shelter where the cats are surrendered who makes the decision to fix them and put them back in their original territory. Gotcha. And so, you know, return to field is really a shelter-based program. And it um, typically it, in shelters that are bringing in large numbers of cats – it's a very uh, effective way of driving down euthanasia rates and also of teaching the community that the shelter is not a dumping ground for uh, you know, a black box to just dump your cats. Mm-hmm. But the proper way to deal with them is to get them spayed and neutered um, and leave them in the environment. That is a pretty awesome idea, and it's something that I, I – I think we should be doing here. To be honest with you, our um, we have a, a nonprofit that is um, oversees the municipal shelter right now, and they handle animal control. And they won't really they they do some stuff, but it's not anything like that. And I and I think that that would be something that 
because it really is people i think they should be doing number one an educational campaign to under so that people understand what the difference is between you know a cat that can be you know adopted out and a and a feral or community cat um and so that they understand, you know, what cats can and, and and can't be adopted out and that it's not just a – yeah, like you said, it's not just a dumping ground for whatever animal you find. Um, that there are reasons that these animals exist in these spaces and sometimes they are in, inherently tied to those spaces through, you know, their their colony behavior and whatnot. Um, so I – I was pretty fascinated reading about that and I'm, I'm excited to kind of bring that up and, and see where we can go with that. Cause I, I really like it. Um, well, we, we do, um, uh, the Humane Society of the United States publishes, um, uh, a book that, um, myself and, and, um, our executive director at neighborhood cats co-authored along with a couple of other experts in the field called the return to field handbook. Mm-hmm. So if you go on to, um, I think it's humanepro.org you can uh, download a free copy of that. And it goes through the policies and it goes through the mechanics. And I think the thing that um, shelters need to understand is that euthanizing large numbers of cats comes at a cost. Mm. Um, it's, it's highly traumatic to shelter workers who are um, seeing healthy animals die right. under their, under their watch. And, and so in shelters with high kill rates, you, you have high, um, incidents of mental illness of uh, suicide of drug addiction of all these things you see that are the result of um trauma repeated trauma right and then in it doesn't um you know just taking cats out of the environment and and euthanizing them does nothing to control the cat population it's it's like emptying the ocean with a teacup right you you know you're you're getting somebody who's doing return to field an ordinary citizen they, they're not trapping all the cats in the area they're just getting a couple and it's not having any impact on a population level and you're serving the part of the community that doesn't like the cats but what surveys show is that most of the people in the community do appreciate the cats being there so um that's why return to field as a policy has uh really been growing more you know to to the point where it's almost normal Hmm. uh, within the field and it's becoming the exception when shelters are not doing it one of the biggest problems we face here in kc you know i've been with this organization for about seven years now and i i came into it not knowing anything about tnr and so immediately i was sort of investigating like what are our you know policies and how how does this work and what what kind of support do people have and the truth of it is that um, you know we we have a real lack of governmental and institutional backing for TNR programs here in Kansas City um, and without legislative help like even large scale TNR efforts are are facing an uphill battle so what chance do individuals and groups have to make a real impact right so what's the best way to a- approach lawmakers and city leaders about TNR and, and what does that kind of legislation even look like? Well, you know, in terms of defining legislative goals, mm-hmm. the main thing you want to accomplish is that the government gets out of the way. Mm. And if they, if they do anything supportive, it's to provide funding. But um, there was a time when there were, when there were what we call TNR ordinances were very popular for communities that were new to this. And there were some regulation, but what we found is that these were 
com- too complex. They weren't really adhered to. Um, and the best thing is to is to educate, to teach people what standards are, how to go about this, and just let them let them do it. I mean, in New York City, there's no law. You know, your ideal situation is there's no laws on the books. Hmm. There's no um, there's nothing that says you you can't trap and release a, a, a free roaming cat. Um, there's nothing that says that you have to have every single cat, whether they're a traditional pet or not, licensed. Um, that you're not allowed to have cats roam. So if you're feeding them, you own them, you're in violation. You, you, those are the things you want removed. Mm-hmm. You want exemptions for TNR. So once the government's gotten out of the way, then it's up to the institutions to start providing resources like spay-neuter surgeries and, and education and um, equipment and, and general guidance. And ideally funding, like where we are in Hawaii, um, the, the city council for Honolulu provides uh, a few hundred thousand dollars a year for spay neuter for free roaming cats. So something like that is really helpful. Yeah. But, you know, what we don't need is the government saying do it this way or do it that way. It's more like stop with the laws that make it uh, that are barriers to people doing this work and understand um, why it's a good thing. So if you're advocating for it, there's, I mean, I, I teach a whole class on talking to municipal officials, but mm-hmm. the, the bottom line is if you look at the options that are available for managing free roaming cat populations, there's only a few there's, you could try to remove them, which is what probably Kansas city has been doing for decades mm-hmm. And if it worked, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. So obviously it doesn't work for a variety of reasons. You could try to ban feeding them. But, you know, my favorite line when somebody proposes that is, could you add another clause that says it's not allowed to rain on Sundays? Right. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's going to be just as effective. Yep. So, you know, in the end, sterilizing and reducing reproductive capacity is the only method that has a potential for success on a large scale. So it's kind of dumb if you want to do something about the problem, not to do the one thing that can work if it's done properly. And then showing data from other communities and explaining why that is the case, um, producing data that shows, for example, if intake for the last 20 years has not been going down, then whatever you're doing is not working, right? You're not reducing the cat population. So right. data, understanding the arguments um, are all important before you go to your public officials and talk to them. Okay, well, let's move on to one of my favorite topics, the effect of feral and community cats on native wildlife. So when I first started, like I said, I did a bunch of reading up on it and I read the studies and I read commentaries on the studies and then arguments against the commentaries on the studies. So there's a a lot, you know, a lot of heated opinions on, on how much effect cats have on wildlife. Um, Let's talk a little bit about, about what we know. Well, I'll tell you, Dave, the, you know, from uh, an advocate's point of view, mm-hmm. I don't get involved in what effect the cats are having and how many birds they're killing okay. or anything like that because I don't think that's relevant. Because whether they're killing 100 birds or they're killing 10,000 birds in your community, we all want 
fewer free roaming cats on the landscape. Hmm. So it's better to get to the question of how do you accomplish that rather than getting bogged down on what effect are the cats having on the environment, which is just an endless debate that doesn't go anywhere. Because again, it's all still going to come down to what are you going to do about it? And that is the biggest problem with the conservationist arguments these days is they, they will vilify the cats. They'll blame them for decimation of wildlife for spreading toxoplasmosis for, uh, um, you know, stuff that is debatable. But in the end, you're still left with what are you going to do about it, right? Mm-hmm. So let's just go right to what are you going to do about it? And it comes back to my earlier comment, which is there's a limited menu of options for how to handle a free-roaming cat population on a citywide scale. So you're going to try to remove them all? Well, we know you can't do that. Right. You try to ban their feeding. We know that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um you're going to try to put them all in a sanctuary or adopt them. Well, anybody in the field knows that's ridiculous. In the end, you have to have a sterilization program. You have to reduce their reproductive capacity in order to have fewer cats in the environment. And if you can achieve fewer cats, well, then you're going to have less predation. You're going to have less of whatever these um, alleged evils are that the cats are causing. Now, you have to be sensitive to there are very specific sensitive habitats where it's just not you just can't have cats. Mm -hmm. Right. You can't have a cat colony in the middle of a sanctuary for ground nesting rare birds. Right. right? They're just going to wipe them out. So you have to be common sense and be you know, willing to um, compromise uh, and and try to find non-lethal solutions that don't involve keeping the cats there but when you're talking about kansas city as a whole there there is no other approach besides tnr that's going to potentially reduce the cat population so it's much better to talk about how we're going to solve the wildlife cat predation problem rather than argue about what you know how many what are the numbers how many birds are they killing that that's to me is really just a uh, irrelevant. Well, Brian, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And um, this has been a really interesting interview. And um, I'm probably going to be talking about TNR with everybody uh, to the point of annoyance um, for the foreseeable future. <laughs> <Good> for you. <laughs> well, we, you know, I think that that's great because that's, that's the path forward, you know, and, and for people who make the argument like, well, TNR doesn't work. You know, it it works if it's done properly. It's like anything else. It's not a magic formula. You can't just say TNR and wave a wand and then it solves it. You know, you have to you have to do it properly. You have to have the right resources. You have to have people who can trap. You have to get high sterilization rates within colonies and areas. But the literature and our experience does show it can be successful if it's done well. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much, Brian, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, Dave. Thanks for having me.
We'd like to thank Brian Cordes for talking to us today. We're always fans of people who are fans of TNR and who are working to find ways to help community cats have better lives and become better neighbors to the community. And Neighborhood Cats definitely fits the bill. If you want to learn more about what they do and look at all the resources they have available on TNR, you can visit them at neighborhoodcats.org. As for us, we are a nonprofit dedicated to keeping pets and people together, and you can help. Just head to prckc.org, and you can donate, volunteer, and more. Until next time, tail wags and purrs to you and yours, and as actress Linda Blair said, the animals are right here, right in front of us, and how we treat these companions is a test. Take care. Mm -hmm.